podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Double Century on the 99.94 Podcast Network. I was once kicked very hard under the table of a restaurant. I was on tour at the time. And you'll be unsurprised to know that I have been kicked many times by many people. And usually it comes about because I'm saying something rude or loud or rude and loud or very, very opinionated. This one was a little bit weirder as it wasn't a friend or a family member or the many girlfriends who'd done it over the years, but a boss. And I wasn't really doing anything wrong compared to the many other times I have been kicked. This one, I was just kind of giving facts. And the reason was that the person that was talking to me was a very wealthy individual. My constant fact-checking of this person was apparently starting to tick him off. I hadn't really noticed this, which is probably why in my life I've been kicked under the table so many times. And it wasn't that I was trying to be a pain. It was just that almost everything he said was wrong, and I felt it very hard not to just say the thing that was right on the back end of it. For instance, this person was telling me how he had been promised to buy a hundred team. This was a long time ago. There wasn't actually 100. He was just talking about the league that we knew was coming at that point. But there was no league, and it certainly wasn't going to be available to buy. And even if it was going to be available to buy, there is no way at that stage anyone had done any kind of a deal on them. The ECB wouldn't have even known how much a franchise was worth. They wouldn't have even been sure who they wanted to sell them to or anything else. So it didn't really make any sense. And this person was also going on to say how he's going to buy a new IPL franchise and a big bash team too. IPL franchise, I suppose they were going to have more. But again, it didn't make any sense. He didn't really seem to be the sort of person who the IPL would be desperate to be in business with. When it comes to the big bash, well, they weren't any private teams. And there's no way anyone at Cricket Australia was going to be doing that. And he not only said that he had already had conversations with people at Cricket Australia, that that he'd had advanced discussions with them. Despite the fact that I'm not even sure there would have been anyone at Cricket Australia to have those kinds of discussions with. And there were so many other things as well. He just kept laying on information and information and information about how he was going to buy all these things in cricket. But none of it really made any sense to me. And I knew this guy had money. But what surprised me at first was how wrong he was about everything. But it turns out that realistically, I was the person who was wrong about all this. Because in my world, there were facts, rules, and deals. But to a person of his level of wealth, those didn't really matter all that much. And while cricket was a big part of my life, to him, it was probably just another accessory, a sporting Fabergé egg. And it's not to say that this very, very wealthy individual didn't love our game, I think that would be an unfair way of putting it. He loved it in his own way. It's just that because he was so passionate about it, it had also been matched with, in his case, probably multi-millions of dollars, and with other sporting fans, probably billions of dollars. It means that people like him didn't just want to enjoy the game. He wanted to own it. And that was the other part of the conversation that I really noticed was that he was looking at cricket in a way that didn't make any sense to me because all I wanted to be able to do was watch cricket, maybe occasionally play it and enjoy the culture of it as I traveled around the world. He wanted the best players to be his friends. He wanted to own a chunk of it. He wanted to make money from cricket. 
And that's a completely different way of looking at it. And that is because he was a multimillionaire who had made his money, and now he was turning it to the thing he liked the most, cricket. As I said, he didn't just want to enjoy it. He wanted to own it. This season of Double Century is about rich people who decided that they would make cricket better, or more about them, or sometimes both. Maybe they want to profit from it, or just insert themselves in an 11 that they have no right to be in based on their playing skill. But they had the money, and cricket was purchased by them for their own wants and needs. Welcome to the people who bought cricket. Arguably the beginning of cricket as we know it was rich folk popping off down to Hambledon to be seen. And by seen, I also mean to gamble and to drink and everything else. They rigged games and 11s so that they could win. They invented leagues for themselves to dominate. They would get the local professionals in to make their teams better. Everything that they needed to do, they were doing with money. And without Hambledon and the money that came down there, cricket wouldn't be in the same position it was. From laws to narrative to the way it developed, it needed those sorts of early people. It's just that they didn't always particularly care that much about the game. For instance, at Hambledon, when a professional tried to bowl overarm, well, that wasn't allowed. Years later, when amateurs started to bowl overarm, it seemed to be a little bit more accepted. It seems if you had enough money, you could literally change cricket if you wanted to. And of course, these rich people often made their money not just in the UK, but all around the world. So they would then get on boats and do the same thing with our sport, literally using cricket to try and civilize the natives. The way the very sport was set up was a private members club. That's not a mistake. That's because that's the sort of world that the people who run it lived in. They thought you should have to be invited into a club in that way, not just approach it because you're talented. And you really don't need to spend that long looking into the history of cricket to see so many people trying to buy or own it. There is a thought that cricket has only been commodified with the advent of the IPL and private leagues. But the truth is that the sport has always been run so poorly that any rich person could just come in and buy something up. In fact, let me tell you a story from a few years ago. You might have heard about a rebel league that was snuffed out because someone was buying domain names of like World Cricket League and all sorts of things. And the ICC through Giles Clark eventually worked out what was happening and that a league was coming on. That particular league, I happened to be around at the time because we were doing Death of a Gentleman and we got the story first. So it was given to me as a tip and then Sam Collins backed it up. So we knew that this league was happening, so much so that we could actually talk to the people involved. And they said, look, obviously we are going to do this. But if you don't say anything now, we will give you the inside run on this Rebel League. For our movie, that made perfect sense. And so we waited along to see what would happen. But quite quickly, it fizzled out. But the very basic thing of it was so easy. They were just going to go to a bunch of cricket nations who were slightly less developed and give them a lot of money to develop their facilities so that they were at top-level international cricket standard. They were then going to go to all the best players in the world. The story that I had been told at the time is that the Sri Lankan and the New Zealand teams had already been approached and a vast majority of them had already been offered money. We'll know from later on that David Warner had also been offered a lot of money. And none of this surprised me by this stage because I knew how much money cricket was worth. 
So we're talking about already, what, 10 years ago, a sport that was worth anywhere between five and $10 billion. But I also knew what the players were getting paid. They weren't getting half of a billion dollars in their pay packet. And so if you're a TV owner, which is what the, I think it was the owner of Z was, and if you knew a lot about cricket, like Dean Kino and Lalit Modi did, they figured that they could quite easily get a TV deal where everyone would want to watch this series because all the world's best cricketers would be involved in it. And that they would be able to then to go up to all the best players in cricket and give them a huge pay packet and sign them up for the rest of their career. It wasn't that different to live golf or any sort of the other rebel leagues we've seen, even Kerry Packers in cricket before. It just happened to be that it was very recent. And to me at that stage, what I really realized was that it wasn't that hard. And let's say, I don't know, if we had a really rich person from a cricket nation who suddenly decided that he wanted to be involved. I don't know. Let's say Elon Musk, maybe before Twitter, Elon Musk, when he had a lot of money. But it wouldn't have cost that much for Elon Musk or a Pakistani businessman or a Bangladeshi businessman or an Indian businessman or even an Australian Silicon Valley or England Silicon Valley person who suddenly found themselves with a lot of money to set up a league and buy all the world's best players. And it's not just a modern thing, as I said, because our game has bumped into rich people all the time. It's always been available to buy. And in modern cricket, you see this through the way owners deal with players. I remember one conversation I had with an owner where he said a player was performing badly and there was an obvious animosity between the cricketer and the owner. And so this rich person's idea was that he would not pay this player as a lesson. I don't think I need to school you in how unethical or weird this was. Players don't mean to fail. It's just a thing that happens sometimes. But to this owner, his player wasn't a cricketer, but a striking employee. Or at worst, maybe, a faulty product. And that might seem silly to you as a cricket fan who's so desperate for cricket that you're listening to a podcast about the history of the game. But to many rich people, that's kind of what cricketers end up being. And so on this series, we wanted to show the entire history from landed gentry to entrepreneurial administrators, from spoiled rich kids to princes. Our game is a wondrous, beautiful thing that so many of us love. And for a select few, something you can buy if you have enough money. Double Century is a podcast on the 99.94 network. You can download our app via the show notes or look for us on social media to see all the podcasts and audio we produce. If you prefer your podcast ad-free, you can support us on Patreon to get that version. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century on 99.94 is a podcast narrated, produced and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes and co-produces the show. Podcast Network.